Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, welcome back again to Police Pod Talk. We are again the in the month of October. That's kind of easy to remember. We're in October, so this is the National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And that's why we've been reaching out to people. People have been reaching out to us, and we have hope. Hope is back on the line again with us to finish up what we didn't get to finish the other day, which I'm sure a lot of you were upset with me for stopping her short of finishing her story. Hope you're still out there with us, right? I am here. Excellent. Excellent. And loud and clear, we can hear you too. <laughs> loud Perfect. and clear. But, uh, you know, like I said, this is October, National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And there's a lot of people, and, and Hope, I wanted to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of people out there, be it male or female, who have gone through this. Yeah. And I, I think the question that came to me from someone saying, do you think that pe- victims, survivors of this, is it harder for them to go through it when the when it's physical or when it's more emotional or psychological? Which is the hardest to go through? Do you do you have an opinion on that? I do have an opinion on that, and um, it I think it depends on the person for one. But I believe most people would believe that it's harder for the emotional, the verbal, because those don't leave the bruises. Those don't have a way to kind of like explain them away. So the mind games that come along with that, Mm -hmm. I think are much harder to overcome than the physical abuse. You know, bruises fade. You can say, oh, I did something that upset him and that's why I got smacked. Or it's easy to, it's easy to kind of fight those thoughts off and just be like, okay, that's my fault. But when someone's constantly bringing you down, constantly making you feel like you are nothing, there's no way to just, there's no way to explain that away. Mm -hmm. It's just someone constantly bashing you and, and that's really hard to overcome. And the fear that comes along with it as well. It, mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest part. But I mean, all of it is hard. Yeah. But all is hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's rough. Like I said, male or female. Yeah. Sorry. Another question came that someone asked me. They said, how long does it take before you forgive yourself for not responding or acting quickly enough to prevent I, this, some of this? I will let you know when I get there. I believe that when you forgive yourself, I've been out of this relationship for over a year now. I find strength and I find comfort in talking about it because I was quiet for so long. Mm-hmm. Reaching out now and kind of going overboard and telling my story is is therapeutic. That's how I'm dealing with the trauma that I you know that I got. There's, it's just a mess. There's, I don't know if you'll ever fully. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever fully forgive myself because you know, telling you my story the other day and, and, and kind of realizing like, wow, I really was just blinded by something. And I, until I have an answer as to why I didn't see those signs or if I, why I ignored those red flags, I don't know if I can forgive myself. I've moved on. I've, I've accepted what happened, but I still doubt my choices. I still doubt when I trust people. I still doubt when, you know, people's sincerities and, and what they, what they can offer me or what they bring to the table as far as like a relationship goes or friendship or even family members, you know, and it's just a matter of basically retraining your brain that 
everything that your abuser put you through is not your fault, but that's that's their game. You know, mm -hmm. they you have to retrain your brain to remember that's not that's not you. You know, right. you, you got to try to remember who you were before the abuse. That is very hard. Right. Now, you use the term and yeah. I looked it up, but you looked it up also. But you knew what you were talking about when you said <laughs> gaslighting. Yeah. Is, is something that he did. What does gaslighting mean for our listeners? So the best way for me to describe gas, I mean, I could just read you the definition, but the best way to describe it is if you're in a relationship and say your, your partner smacks you across the face and you, you bring it up later and you're like, why, well, why did you hit me? And they're like, I didn't, I didn't hit you. Like, that's not, that's not what happened. And it makes you question your own reality. It makes you question like, well, did I remember that wrong? Did I, did I really, did I get hit or did I get yelled at? Or you mm -hmm. question your own memory, your, your own choices and everything. So that can go as far as one thing that, that my abuser did was he would say that I was going to like help him pay for something. Right. I'm like, I didn't say that. I would never have questioned that. And then it was, well, you're, you're a piece of shit and you're a liar because you told me you would, you would buy this or you would help me get this or whatever. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's minor stuff compared to what he did to me, but th those are little things that they can do to really make you just lose your mind and you don't remember what you're doing or, mm. you yeah. know, what happened. Even though you knew that yeah. you didn't say or do what this person was telling you, somehow yeah. they made you believe their version of it. Yeah. So there's different ways they can do that. I mean, there's the threat that comes behind it. Like, that's not what happened. If you say that's what happened, I'm, I'm going to hurt you again, or I'm going to kill you. I mean, I would try, I can remember a few times trying to reach out my parents during the middle of the fight. I actually was discussing this with them and they're like, yeah, when, when we knew you were fighting, if I did get a hold of them, they would of course come over and be like, what's going on guys? You know? And of course the abuse isn't going to be happening in front of them, but I just be like, he's losing his mind. He won't leave me alone. He won't whatever, or what, mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, right. whatever's going on at that moment. And I would leave the room and he would stand, stand there and tell him, like, I don't know what she's talking about. She is going crazy. She's been yelling at me all day. And my mom and dad both have said, like, that's not you. That's not you've never been like that. You've never you know, I don't like confrontation. I don't like fighting. I don't I don't like yelling at someone. I don't I don't like any of that. So for him to tell him that I'm yelling and throwing things and breaking things and have to explain holes in the wall. He'd say those are from me. And they're like, that's that's not what Hope does. Mm -hmm. They knew something was going on, but they also knew that I'm stubborn. And if I, it, it really was just a perfect storm for me to be into something because I'm, I don't like to reach out if I need help. And I don't uh, want to like burden people with my problems or, you know, I think I can handle it. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I would reach out, I mean, I remember there's times I'd text my mom in the middle of fight and just say, whatever happens, I love you. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, just having a bad night. And I love you, you know, and I think she knew what was going on and but she didn't know how to come to me and say, we're here because I would have been like, I, we're fine, you know, because I wasn't ready to admit it to myself that I got myself in that position. So with your coworkers, mm -hmm. as you mentioned way back when the first slap in the face and your coworker yeah. knew about it. Yeah. Did you shy away from them when they found out or did when they called you out on it, did you stay close to that person or did you try to avoid that person? That was on a different shift. So I had actually only worked with her for like six months. And so I only worked with her for like a couple months after that. But 
I mean, she would try to make plans for us to hang out outside of work. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. But deep down, I knew that could never happen. Like, he's not going to let me go hang out with somebody during the day. He's not, he doesn't even like it. I'm here hanging out with her now when I'm at work, you know? So I did get isolated very quick. And, you know, just where I lived alone, I think I mentioned this before, was I, I was about a half hour away from family anyway went from, you know, the weekly visits or the, you know, one night a week visit and the weekend visits or whatever, they went away and turned into just holidays. Or if he was busy doing something else, I would go hang out with my mom and he would even call. He'd be like, well, you're not your mom and dad's. And my mom would be like, yeah, she is. She's right here. We're, you know, whatever. Hmm. And so it just, there were, there were just little things that were just like irritating. And, but I, I was hell bent on, on making that known to people Anyway, like I did not want anybody to know that I got myself in this position. I was trying everything I could to get out of it. But I, of course, the fear. So you, you got to like, it's hard to explain if you're not in the situation. Right. Well, it's obviously it's real. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, you're not the only one. (laughs) So this is happening. I mean, for us to have a, a October dedicated to it, uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's big. It's a big thing. But there's someone listening right now. Mm Mm-hmm who's going through almost the identical same thing here. And what would you tell them? Given in a nutshell, what would you tell them to do right now? In a nutshell is what I wish I knew long before. I would have exited this relationship way earlier if I had known this information. One, get a plan in your head. Just what do you need to do to get away from this person? My situation was different because he had moved in with me. So it was my house, my stuff. He, he could have up and left at any point. If if you have kids, I don't have children, so this is something I can't speak to entirely. But if you have kids, your safety and their safety, of course, would be the first priority. Find, even if it's just one person that you can trust with your plan that, you know, this is what's going on. This is what I need to do. I need time to get it done. I need, you know, an ally on the outside of this relationship to help me, whether it be to help them save up money, help them find a place to hide uh, my abuser knew where all of my friends lived. And if I said, well, I would, I'm just going to go to so-and-so's house. He'd be like, oh yeah, I know where they live. And he would actually pull up their addresses and how he knew, I don't know, but you need a safe space to go to, right. To hide. And from then contact the authorities. And I hope that it's easier for other people than it was for me once I got out of the situation to contact the authorities and get it taken care of. Our system is so crazy when it comes to reporting domestic abuse and especially if it's in different counties and all this, it's a mess. And you'll be calling different people all the time and they're going to try to push the buck is what I got. Mm-hmm. But don't give up because your your life is on the line. So with that being said, I'm going to take you back in time. Okay. <laughs> there you were at your house. I mean, you had yeah. just been beaten up by him. He had laid on the bed and put a gun to his head, talking about, you know, ending everything and possibly thinking that the bullet would go through his head and then hit you also. Mm-hmm. You finally got him out of the house. The police came. He, uh, he left prior to them getting there. Mm-hmm. He left. You somehow found a way to fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, he's back and he's bringing roses and gifts and apologizing. Yes. What happened after that? So that was a turning point in the relationship for me. Before I was kind of calling him out on stuff when he would when he would act up. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. I would call him out and be like, "You can't do this to me," or whatever. 
once I got to that point where the cops were called, he came back. I, t- I told him straight up. I'm like, I, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. This is not healthy. This is not right. And he said, I'm sorry. You know, I'll get help. Of course, all the promises again of seeking counseling or medication or whatever the case may be, whatever help I thought he needed, he was okay with it. He was going to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so helpless, just being like, I'm stuck. There is no way out. He is not going to leave. He does not see that I'm done. Whether he got the help or not, I'm no longer invested in this relationship. Like I, I'm literally just here. It kind of turned into, I mean, the abuse, the part, the physical abuse parts happened a lot more than they should have, but there was, there's a handful of ones that were just really nasty, but the, the verbal abuse was almost daily. If you think in any relationship, if you have one person, if one person says one nice thing about you, but then follows it up with, you know, nine nasty things, you're going to, you're going to believe the nasty thing. And even if they tell you nine nice things, but say one nasty thing, you're going to be like, well, why'd you say that? Like, you know, it, it's a mind game that you, you just kind of got to sort through in your own head, but when that's happening daily, it really just makes you, you just feel like crap. I went from being completely healthy to being put on medication for depression and anxiety. My doctor was like, what's going on? You know, I was like, I don't know. Of course, I wasn't ready to talk to him yet. After, you know, after the relationship ended, I was able to get off all the medications and, you know, healthily and all that fun stuff, but gotten counseling and now I'm back to being, you know, healthier. You know, I still have therapy to go to but it, that after that fight it was just a matter of trying to survive any way I could realizing that you know I've been quiet I mean there were a few times that you know my my mom and dad were called for a couple fights or whatever and they're just like you guys got to figure this out like they don't know what to do I was just really kind of trying to analyze everything and figure out what to do so you didn't get healthy until well after you're out of this relationship right uh, I'm still working on it okay okay well you're, you're, you're a lot closer than if yeah okay yep. so while this was going on and your mom and dad knew you were fighting it still made it seem like you were part of the problem in the fight. He can make it look like you were part of the problem. Yeah. So if things were getting physical, say, say like he had smacked me or threw, I mean, I had dressed up to go to my sister's baby shower and he threw me through a wall because he thought I was going to go out on a date or something on like a Sunday afternoon for a baby shower. I had to change clothes because I had like drywall dust all over me. He was just kind of like loose in the head. If things got physical and I would threaten, you know, I'm going to call the cops or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call someone to let someone know that this is happening. He's like, they're never going to believe you because you hit me too. And he would physically throw himself through walls. He would punch himself in the face. I mean, he would scratch his face because he knows women tip, you know, they women scratch or whatever in a fight. He would do things to him like, what? And then his response would be, we'll both go to jail. We'll go together. You know, you're not going to send me to jail for, you know, stuff you're doing too. And, I'm not going to play innocent here. There were there were moments where I I did have to physically fight for my life, and I'm proud of those moments. Like I'll own them, but for the most part, it was just I just would I would hide in other rooms. Like I had a, a spare bedroom that I was using for the storage. I would literally <laughs> I had a spot in the back that was kind of under a desk, so I could hide under it. And of course, as soon as he would come close to the room, my dog would start barking and give me away. But right. she, you know, she was trying to protect me by scaring him off, and it just got crazy. There's nothing you can do until someone that has the power to do something steps in or is informed of what's going on. You said before that your dog ended up getting stitches. Is that is that right? 
my dog made it to where he had to get stitches. He 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 ended up your dog ended up biting him. Yes. Okay. And then you said your dog was kind of whimpering but not really barking whenever he came around. Like she would kind of like bark under her breath, I guess, right. like kind of a way of like get out of here, you know. Right. So the dog was actually impacted by this also. Yes, my dog is still, um, I mean, she was kind of skittish before him. I mean, she's always kind of been that way. But after him, like, she's definitely, she was traumatized by it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He apologizes, comes back, everything. Does it go good for a little while? And then it just, okay. (laughs) Of course. The. There's, there's a cycle to abuse, you know, there's, however it starts off is, you know, tensions start building, you start walking on eggshells a little bit, you're like, mm, what's going on? There's the blow up, there's the, the initial, like the fight or whatever. And then there's the apologies. And, and then there's kind of just like the, the okay part, the, the, what I would consider like a normal part of a relationship is there. And then you, you realize it's just like, there's something in the air. You can almost feel it. It just gets, you know, those tensions start building again, and then there's a big blow up, and then there's a, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll fix it, and then it's just normal for a while. <laughs> and and this so, went on for two and a half years. Two and a half years, yeah. I mean, I honestly, I would say the bad stuff was the last two years were were probably, I mean, of course, the worst because it it just didn't get better. But you know, once once you get to a point, or once I got to a point of realizing I'm stuck, and I. I'm still trying to figure this out. It kind of just stayed the same. It was the the cycles kept going. I would try to change up how I how I reacted or what I did to try to change the outcome. You know, you can't keep doing something the same way and expect a different result. You got to try to fix things and that's what I would try to do and there there were times that he'd be fighting and I would just do my best to just try to spoil him and give him everything like what do you want? Like, I'm, I'm giving you everything you could possibly need right now. Why are you still yelling at me? Right. That didn't work. I would try fighting against him. That didn't work. I would, I would try ignoring him. He would hunt me down and he came to my work before and said, I'm out here in the car and I'm going to you know, shoot your car. I'm going to come in and shoot up your place of employment. You're, you know, all this stuff. If I just sat there and took it, it was like, he kept pushing buttons to try to get a reaction out of me. Like it, I still remember this one time he, uh, I forget what exactly what he said, but he, he called me a name and I was just like, so what? And I just let it go. This is earlier on in the relationship. He never used that again. And it was a phrase I was like, I could actually buy that. Like I could actually, I could actually agree with that, with you calling me that. I don't remember what it was, right. but when he would call me things that I know I'm not, I, I don't have a record. I don't have any, anything violent in my history or anything like that. And so when he would, say that I'm crazy or that I'm abusing him. I'm like, no, that's not what's going on here. And I would fight because that's not true. He just kept pushing those buttons until he got a, he got a reaction. It's uh, hmm. once again, it's just another tactic he used to, to get me going. Okay. I, I'm going to play this other side of the coin here. Mm-hmm. You kept saying that you felt trapped or stuck. Yeah. During this time, did you ever just leave? And then have to basically be dragged or begged back, or did you always just keep going home for the same thing? There were a there were a few times that I would physically try to leave, right? And once I get the ser- the really bad stuff happened after he had already moved in. So this is my house. This is my stuff. These are my dogs. These are my life that you're messing up right now. So the thought of me just like 
packing a bag and leaving for a while. I was like, that's not going to happen, you know, because this guy, he's, I mean, he's already busted out my windshield in my car. He's already broken in the back sliding door. He's already, you know, he, he doesn't have any care about keeping my stuff nice and protected or taking care of anything materialistic. Right. Right. So like, I'm not going to leave him with my, my house. Even if I got my dogs out of the house, I'm not going to do it. But as far as like leaving the relationship or like physically leaving my house, it, it didn't matter if, if I left, he, he had a way of like being like, you know, come back, I'll get help. Or yeah, I he even went so far as he had me go with him to the doctor where they put him on medication for like bipolar. I was like, okay, maybe he's going to try or, you know, whatever. He would send me screenshots of where he's called a number. And if you call the number, it was like a hospital where he, you know, he's like, I call him and, you know, have an appointment or whatever, but it, he never begged for me to come back because he never left, you know, like he, in his mind, he was still there and that was my house. So of course he, you know, I was physically there too, Mm -hmm. regardless of how I was in my, my head, if I was in it or not. Did he have his own home? He did not. And actually, um, when I first met him, he was living with what he told me was his roommate. I then found out was his (laughs) ex-girlfriend. So that was fun. So, okay. So I'm talking to this girl about being this great guy. Like, oh, your cousin's great. And she's oh. just like, uh, yeah, yeah. So does she ever have any issues or you have no clue if she was getting thumped on? So she actually, I don't know. Because, he, like I said, he had his own business. So he had some stuff because it was closer to Fort Wayne than I was. So he kept a lot of his stuff for his business at her house. How she agreed to that, I don't know. But there was one time that he was smacking me and shoving me. He had my, you know, he ripped, of course, my clothes. And she was in the house and she went to leave. I kept trying to walk out to the highway to get flagged. Someone. He had taken my phone and thrown it. It was a mess. And she actually left and she was like, hey, you got you to gotta knock this off. And I looked at her and I'm just kind of like, hold on. You've been in there. This ent- I didn't know she was in there. I'm like, you've been in there this entire time and all you're going to say is you're going to look at him and tell him to knock it off call the cops like you you know in my head i'm thinking if i'm seeing a girl getting beat up in my front yard i'm calling the cops i don't care who it is so the fact that she didn't at that time told me like okay she's obviously not like a a a friend of mine at this point you know but i've learned now i really think that he probably had the same fear put into her and she knew not to call you know she knew not to get anyone else involved and she needed to just leave and let it be. So she told him he needs to knock it off. Mm-hmm. But she never but, came to you and said anything. Nope. And I actually asked her, I was like, did you guys fight like that? This was, you know, towards the end of our relationship. I had actually seen her again and, and she's like, we, we would fight, but nothing like what I've seen him do with you, with, you know, with you. And I'm just thinking like, okay. But then her family had actually went to, a lawyer to get him to get all of his stuff off her property. There was obviously something where they knew they couldn't just go to him and be like, Hey, come get your, come get your shit. They actually had to go and take legal action to get him out. So they obviously knew something more was going on than what they're saying. Right. Now, as, as time's going on, mm-hmm. did he ever bring up the whole thing about getting married? Yes. So we actually, I told him that I did not want to get married yet. And he actually proposed to me 
the De- the first December we were together, so we were only together, you know, eight months, I think. And he proposed, and I I remember telling him, I was like, I will accept this under one condition that we are not getting married yet. You know, if you need to have a ring on my finger to prove that I'm not, you know, out doing whatever. Of course, also with the ring came, I promise you, like, I won't, this won't happen if I know that you are going to marry me. Like, I I just, he would say things like, I'm insecure that you're going to leave me. And I'm like, whatever, you know. So when he actually proposed, uh, I accepted. We had actually been in a really good spot. My family was extremely pissed. I remember the look on my dad's face at dinner when he saw the ring and he just looked at me and I, I've never seen my dad look so disappointed in me at all. And I just kind of shrugged it off. Like, of course they don't like him. They don't know him yet. It's mm-hmm. only been eight months. And no, he knew he just, right. He, he had him, he had his number, you know, he'd called him out, but yeah, he, he said that once we proposed or once we were engaged or once we were married, he's like, I would never treat my fiance like that. Or I would never treat my wife like that. And I'm like, well, then why are you treating your girlfriend like that? Like you're supposed to be <laughs> you're supposed to be like putting your best foot forward in a relationship. It's only going to get worse, right? And this is back before, of course, it got really bad. So it was kind of like a joke between us. Like when I say joke, I don't, I don't know the words to use to really articulate all of this because it's such a just a cluster of emotions every single day. But mm-hmm. I remember we weren't even engaged for 24 hours, and I was smacked across the face again for God knows what. I had actually taken the ring off and I threw it at him. It got lost in my fireplace. And so he actually, after the fight and everything was over, he'd actually like ripped a brick out of my fireplace trying to get it and find it. We ended up finding it, but he had, in the meantime, he had taken the wedding band that actually came with the ring and had like squashed it with a pair of pliers. So it was completely destroyed. This is a, I mean, it was an expensive ring. He just destroyed it completely. Like, I'm like, why did you even buy it? Like, I don't even, I don't even know why you bought this. Hmm. But he did that with a lot of things. Like, if I would get him a gift, this the first fight we'd have, he would go and destroy it. Like, just, I don't care. Your gifts don't mean shit to me, and you don't mean shit to me. And I'm like, then why are you here? <laughs> yeah. You know, I in my somewhat normal thinking brain, I'm. I'm not going to stay in a relationship where I'm not happy. I wouldn't expect him to stay if he's not happy, but at the same time, he's still here. And it's one day he's loving and doting on me and, you know, treating me like a, a queen basically. And then with a, just a blink of an eye, I'm getting my hair yanked and smacked across the face or mm-hmm. shoved into a wall. Like it, it, it was bizarre. Right. And again, people are listening to this. Yes. There's always people on the other side saying, you could have left at any time. You could have made this stop at any time. Try your darndest to get them to understand. Like I said, this is a a national domestic violence awareness month. Help Mm -hmm. them understand why a female would stay. Yeah. If you can. Um, I will do my best. This is something that, I'd mentioned in the other talk we had that, you know, my sister was going through some stuff and I actually asked her if I could tell this story a little bit. She was, she was in an abusive relationship as well. And I was 18 at the time, thought I knew everything. And of course to her, I was going to make my opinion known. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Why are you still with him? And in her words, I was an opinionated little bitch. So she, she was like, you definitely told me how 
you know, what I was doing wrong and whatever. After going through this myself, there is no way anyone could have told me how bad it can be and how easily someone can control your, your mind, your actions, and how, if, especially if this is someone that has done it before, they really, there's nothing you can do. There's literally nothing you can do. And if someone came to me right now and they're like, you're an idiot, you should have gotten away. Yeah, you're right. But I survived. That's the important part. I did what I had to do in my life, in this relationship. I did what I had to do to survive it. Every, every time a gun was pulled on me, every time I was, you know, I, at one point I thought he had broken my jaw, you know, and I had, the only way he would take me to get medical treatment was if I told him the lie that I was going to tell the medical staff. That was, I could not close my mouth for over 12 hours. And he told me the only way he's going to take me is if he knew what I was going to say. And if it was a good enough lie for me to go. Hmm. So no one knows the situation. And if someone comes to you and says they're in an abusive relationship, do not take that lightly because they are literally trusting you with their life. My, my, my. Did he ever get help or ever get diagnosed with anything or he was just popping pills? <laughs> he, no, actually he, he said he was taking the pills. He didn't. After we split up, he actually reached out to my family's pastor at the, at the church, the preacher. And he said, Oh, I, you know, I, I really messed things up with hope and I, I promised her I'd get help. I need help. And his, the preacher's response was, yes, I, I will counsel you. I will, I will do what I can to try to help you out, but I'm not going to try to talk hope into taking you back. Like mm. this is obviously not a safe situation. He never reached back out to him. Yeah. He, he with, just quit talking yeah. to him. He's like, Oh, that's a dead end. And he would reach out to my dad and say, you know, all these little pity parties and, um, my dad never responded, but it was through like Facebook messenger. So I finally said, dad, you have to block him because if he thinks that you're actually reading these, he thinks that's still an open. So he still thinks that there's a chance that you're going to tell me what he's saying, which he did. And I would just say, dad, block him. So finally I just got into my dad's phone. I'm like, I'm going to block him for him. My dad's, I, mean, <laughs> I love him dearly. And I know he's going to listen to this. So I love you, dad, but you know, technology is not his forte. So <laughs> You always got to find some high schooler to help you out. That's right. I'm I'm to that point now. I'm like, go to my nieces and nephews. I'm like, fix it. Right. right. <laughs> so when your sister had her conversation with you and you couldn't see why she was standing in the relationship she was in, mm -hmm. when it started to happen to you, did she ever come to you? She didn't really know. So she did not like him. She did not like this guy and she kind of like avoided me avoided me like the plague I guess well avoided him not necessarily me but because I was kind of sticking up for him so much I think she was like okay this is not going to go anywhere and she respected that but um her knowing what she'd been through is actually a huge part as to why him and I are no longer together well talk about that it was last August we had finally me and my sister had finally gotten back onto talking terms and we went to her house. It was late one night. He had, a, my abuser had actually already been drinking with his brother. So I went and picked him up. So he wasn't driving. We went to my sister's house and this is when I was still, you know, very sick. The stress was literally destroying my, my body. Like I just was physically ill almost every day. Mm -hmm. And um, we went there and just sitting around a campfire 
and my sister had a little boy, uh, my nephew, but he had woken up. So she had went inside and got him and just kind of brought him out. I mean, they live out in the country. It wasn't like she was partying. It was just kind of like trying to get him back to go, go back to sleep. We were getting ready to leave. And my brother-in-law was standing beside me facing my abuser. And I was standing in front of my sister. And behind me and my brother-in-law was the fire. So we were standing between my abuser and the fire. My abuser just stood up and like shoved my brother-in-law like just shoved like they we were joking we were laughing we were just like you know having fun like getting ready to leave and next thing I know my brother-in-law kind of pushes him back because he's about to fall into this fire pit right next thing I know he's swinging on my brother-in-law my brother's like trying to shove him away my sister I'm going to say that she threw my nephew at me but she really didn't she just stood up really quick she's like take him in the house I knew then if he's willing to literally beat the shit out of my brother-in-law, what's he going to do to me behind closed doors? You know? So this is no longer private happenings. This is now public. My family now knows that this guy is just off his rocker. I, of course I go in, I'm, I call 911 and they come out and my sister comes up. He had actually stopped beating up my brother-in-law. And was had my sister on the ground and was choking her. I was like, hold on, what? Like, she does all this is going on. I'm holding my nephew and on the phone with 911. And I'm my sister comes in, she's got red marks on her neck. And she said, You have to, you have to make this stick. Like you, you cannot do this. This is, you know, and she was of course sobbing and and my brother-in-law actually had lost some eyesight after this fight. Like he had taken a pretty good beating from him my sister was she had bruises she she felt like she was in a car wreck and it was the look on her face where she was like I could tell that she was actually remembering what she had been through at that moment you know does that make sense oh yeah yeah I could tell that what she just experienced she was reliving how she had been through it 20 years prior or however long ago was probably about 17 years you know before that that she was in these relationships but I was just like yeah I I can't, I can't do this anymore. You know, this is not helping anyone. My nephew, although he was still young, I hope he doesn't remember anything, but he was old enough that he was like looking like, what in the world is going on over there? And I, of course, oh, they're playing as Mm. I'm scooping him away. But I was like, I, I will never be responsible for him to have any kind of fear in his life, you know? So it was, it was a very surreal moment to where I, you know, kind of like a come to Jesus kind of moment where I'm like, this is it. This is the crossroads I've been waiting for. The cop got there. Of course, my, my brother and our brother-in-law and sister, they had, you know, had a few beers and of course drunk and he had ran off at this point. And I was like, okay, I know he has his gun in the car. My gun was in the car. I of course locked my vehicle, but that hasn't stopped him from trying to get into anything before. But the cop was great. He took my statement. He had talked to my sister and brother-in-law but since they had been drinking he'd come back and and just talked with them again later which i don't know if that's just what they do anyway but um they they weren't drunk by any means but they're at home they can do what they want so he he called me from the jail and was saying well they were drunk and and like they were home you could get as drunk as you want at your house but they he was actually the most drunk wait wait so he did get locked up for that he did get locked up they 
Where'd they find him? In a cornfield or something? Or what? I don't know. They didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, I didn't care, but I was glad that he had been picked up. Okay. He did get bailed out or whatever. Wait, like, so did you help day. him? Did you help him get out? No, I actually have not seen him since that night. Oh, okay. I've had limited conversation with him through text and stuff like that, but I ended up changing my phone number because he would not stop calling me. And so I changed my phone. I had the same phone number since I was 18, so I had to change that. That was a crappy moment. Right. But <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And since then, I've actually, I mean, I've I've taken great, I've gone to great lengths to, to protect myself. I've sold my house. I switched cars. I've, you know, I still work at the same place, but I've actually switched to a different, you know, parking lot so that, you know, he can't find what car or, you know, where I'm parking. And mm-hmm. I, you just have to do what you got to do to stay safe. And so, my so, life has forever changed by this relationship. That's for sure. Well, that's what I was going to get on. So you had to do a whole lot of changes. You had to do a lot of different things. He didn't Which have to do anything. Which is kind of the shitty. Yeah, that's, and he's, he's out and about doing what he, you know, does. And I'm. I still kind of feel like a prisoner in my own world, but I've seen what this person is capable of. So I, of course, I'm going to do what I can to keep myself safe and, you know, my family safe. And hmm. he just gets to keep doing what he's doing. Right. So the char- there were never really charges from him abusing you. No. But the he, charges came when he jumped on your brother-in-law and your sister. Yeah. So he got, I forget what the charge was. He got charges against my brother-in-law and my sister then they put a protective order Mm -hmm. in place for me and my my you know sister and her her family this was like on a friday or saturday night i don't remember so monday i took off work and i went to the courthouse and i filed for an actual restraining order they did that and it was pure hell trying to get that um served to him like i guess officers were they would go to where he was supposedly staying and he'd be like oh no i'm not i'm not that person (laughs) and they're like do you know where he's at and they're like no or they would call him and he'd be like no you don't have the right number and i said Mm -hmm. no i'm that's his number that's his business line so that's that's him he's the only one that answers that phone right i mean before while they were trying to get him to serve him he brought in like bouquets of flowers and balloons to my work with a huge long like 10 page letter and a card i remember you know, I, of course, I told my work at this point, too. Like, this right. guy is not allowed to see, you know, see me. He's not allowed to be here. Right. If you see him, contact police immediately. That was after he had actually come to my work and delivered all this stuff. And I, I texted him. I said, you are not allowed to be here. They are trying to serve you papers for protective order. Leave me alone. I think that might have been the day that I actually had to change my phone number because I'd actually, con- you know, I'd reached back out to him, like, stop this. And because I gave him that little bit of encouragement or just that small reply, he thought it was a go-ahead to just oh, keep yeah. calling and everything. Oh, yeah. You opened the floodgates. Yep. Yeah. Oh, man. So since that night, you did a bunch of changes. Mm-hmm. You turned your life around to protect yourself and your family. Yeah. Did you ever apologize to your brother-in-law and sister? Of course. And they are amazing people, and I hate that what happened to them happened to them and I I feel guilty. I hopefully I won't cry. Um I feel guilty for that happening to them and responsible for everything, but they have been 
amazing with that and have reassured me many times like if this is what it took to get you out of that relationship Mm -hmm. we would do it again or it's nothing if it means you're safe now you know so So, it means the world to me that they feel that way or that they can tell me they feel that way but i still it still doesn't fix how i feel about it right exactly so it took someone else getting hurt for you to see it yeah not that i didn't see it before but to actually feel brave enough like that was that was that exact moment where I was like, "There's no turning back from this." Like, I would never be. He would, of course, he would never be allowed to family functions anymore, right? So there's no even trying to put on a, a fake persona or anything to get him to keep coming around. Like the, he mm-hmm. would no longer be accepted in the family, and I I'd already missed so much of my family because of him controlling everything I did that I knew that was out the window if he stayed around and having the witnesses of even though it was my sister you know they saw just how there's no um button pushing on their part they it was literally just he had a look on his face it changed he stood up and shut my breath like there was nothing we were laughing and joking so Hmm. it just it really made me fully aware of how much shit i was in if i were to be alone with him again right do you think if you were in high school and someone had an assembly, got all the females into the auditorium and told them about relationships and how things can go bad and, you know, things can happen like this, would you have listened then? Or do you think that would have just been another free time to <laughs> sit there with your girlfriends and talk? I probably would have been doodling in a notebook, honestly. <laughs> I'm like, this is boring. It's never <laughs> going to happen to me because, like I said, I'm kind of a hard-headed you know, butthead sometimes, but I think it, I think it needs to really, so much of domestic violence is put on the woman, believe it or not. Um, after this all happened, my dad, my, my own father came to me and was like, well, why didn't you just leave? He, he just doesn't get it. Right. Right. That, that's actually, I mean, that's a, that's kind of victim blaming. Like I, the victim blaming aspect of it is where you ask the, the victim of the situation, you know, why didn't you do this? Or why is this happening now? What did you do to do this or to cause this? And to have my own dad kind of ask me, you know, like, why didn't you leave? They just don't, if you're not in the situation, you don't realize what's actually happening and how to how to communicate with someone that's actually, that is actually going through it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, no, I, um, I get you. Hey, did, did you ever blame him for doing what he was doing to you? Like to my parents or? I mean, did anybody? Because it seems I mean, they, to me like you were the one getting the blame, saying, yeah. you know, you should have done this or you shouldn't have said this. Or it seems to me like you were taking the brunt of it. But did anybody mm-hmm. ever go to him and say, dude, what you're doing is wrong? My parents, when they were called out, when we were fighting or whatever, when they actually were witnessing the fights, which they were never violent in front of them, like I said, but they, they were like, you both need to get help or you both need this or, you know, you guys just need to like walk away, you know? So it was never solely put on him, but I think part of that is because I never put the blame fully on him. Mm. Uh, during the relationship, I had been kind of trained or told by him that I'm causing him to feel like this or I'm, making him insecure about what he's insecure about because of how I live my life or which I don't even, I don't even know where all that stuff's coming from, but that's what he would tell me is like, I've never felt like someone else. You are making me feel insecure about this, Hmm. 
whether it be jobs, money, whatever. I, I think I may have asked you this. Was he diagnosed with anything? He was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but when he would say, oh, I'm going to get help or I'm going to take my medicine, if he took any medicine, it would be for like one day. And if you know anything about mental diseases and the medications, most of them, if not all of them, I don't know a whole lot about them. You can't just, like it builds up. You can't just take one and your problems are fixed. Like you, it builds up in your system. I know I have been on depression medication to where you have to like wean yourself off of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, it builds up and you, then when you get off of it, you actually have to come down slowly off of it or else you go crazy and Mm -hmm. suicidal or whatever kind of crazy side effects you can have. Right. But him taking just one pill was kind of his way of telling me like, look, I'm changing, I'm fixing it. I'm taking a pill. Then of course life happens and I don't, I'm not going to stand over a a 30 some year old man making sure he's taking his medication, you know? (laughs) Right. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it it just, it just never got fixed. Okay. I don't think you can fix that, but I'm going to take you back. And you had mentioned something about the fight at the fire, at the uh, uh, fire pit. Mm Mm-hmm. You mentioned that there was some guns involved in this. And I know you told yeah. me that you guys were were shooters. You would go yeah. and target practice. Yeah, you... I legally carry weapons and he illegally carry okay. weapons. Okay, <laughs> but at that time, there were guns at the firefight. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, they for were, lack of a better they were term. In the, they were in the vehicle. They were not on our persons. Okay, um, but, but hold on. Let me. I got to ask you a question. Okay, because so I'll this, quit this, this, <laughs> this is This is what's on my mind. During all of this two and a half years, there were guns readily available. Mm-hmm. Are you honest enough to tell me, did you ever think about during those times actually using a gun to defend yourself? Yes. I actually had pulled a gun. He, I mean, he had pulled guns on me many times. There were bullet holes in my house from where he'd actually shot inside my house. I would be in the other room. He would be yelling at me, and then he, I would hear a gunshot, and he'd be quiet. And I'd be like, did he just kill himself? Because like, normally that's how he would defend his stance is, I'm going to kill myself. You mm-hmm. got You can't leave me. I'm going to kill myself. And so if I would walk away, that happened, I think, probably twice uh, in the two and a half years. The second time, honestly, I was like numb to it. I was like, oh, well, if he did, I'll clean up the mess later. I mean, that sounds so wow. so harsh, but at, the, at that time, I'm like, at least I'm, I'm out of this, right? But mm-hmm. uh, there was one time that he just kept yelling at me and he was smacking and kicking and and throwing things and I don't know how many TVs he had busted to where my house was fully furnished when he moved in and by the time he moved out I had almost nothing right I mean he'd broken washing machines and doors and just very careless with everything but he he would not stop yelling in my face and smacking and pulling my hair and shoving me back onto the bed and I remember you know my gun was in my nightstand and I'm like this is the only I can't do this anymore right so he had actually went out in a little temper tantrum or whatever he was doing I don't even remember why he left the room but I I almost like matrixed it across my bed like rolled across the bed got in my nightstand and I pulled out my gun and cocked it it actually his brother was actually staying with us that night his brother woke up out of a dead sleep when he heard the gun being cocked and was like what the hell is going on i heard him scream from the spare bedroom Mm -hmm. and i said get your brother out of my house or he's gonna die like i'm not doing this anymore and um his brother woke up 
him and his brother ended up getting into a fight. Both of them had bloody noses by the end of the night, but I threw the gun down because I was like, I, I can't do this. But I also realized that I had someone else kind of defending me. Right. I no longer, I mean, it's weird to say it because I, I still felt threatened, but I knew there was, he would have to kill two of us if he was going to do it, or, you know, because mm-hmm. there's now another person in the in the room. So I threw the gun down because I was like, okay, I'm not in that big of a threat or that big of a problem right now. They were fighting and I tried pulling them apart. And I don't even remember how that whole night ended. All I know is his brother was like, you can't keep beating her up and calling him out. And he told his brother, mind your business. And they're, they're <laughs> fighting bloods being splattered through the hallway. And wow, I think his brother actually walked out and like started walking away, like walked out of my house and down the road and all this. Mm-hmm. And then my ex was following him and picked him up and took him back to Fort Wayne and I don't know how they survived that car trip, but I guess brothers, maybe they get along better than... Right. I know if that was me and my sister, we wouldn't have made up that quick. <laughs> right, right. So We also wouldn't have fought like that. No, that's true. That's true. Looking back on all of this and everything that you have learned going through this, and like you said, you're still working on yourself. Yeah. Did it appear to you that the male, your boyfriend, had been trained on how to manipulate women? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely a pro at it. You learn it somewhere. The behaviors that he possessed and that he used against me, he had he's definitely seen it somehow or he's practiced it enough to realize what works and what doesn't. As far as being taught, I don't know because I never met his dad. His mom, after getting to know her, I I learned that uh, the her husband was never abusive. I mean, they would fight. He might have been a little. I would I would assume on the controlling side on. But even I can't speak to that too much because I never met him and they all had great things to say about his dad. So I don't think he saw it there. I know he has just brothers. So he's the youngest of, I think, five boys, mm-hmm. maybe six. Right. But they've all lived very crazy lives. And I know some of his brothers had problems with drugs and, you know, using women to get what they want from young ages and he would tell me about parties that his brother would take him to, to where he was experiencing things that I didn't experience in my twenties, you know, like where I'm like, why were you going to a party where there's alcohol and sex and drugs when you're 12 years old? Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that he would tell me about, I'm like, God, you, that's in movies. Like that doesn't happen right. in real life, you know? Right. But he learned it somewhere. He somehow something somewhere in his life, someone told him that this was okay. Or, he had learned enough to know that whatever he can get away with is okay. Going through this, what do you think your responsibility is to other women? I mean, you're doing a podcast. Yeah. You're doing a two-part series podcast. You're telling your story, but what do you think your responsibility is? Or do you think there is a responsibility for you? I, I, don't, know if I, I don't know if responsibility is the right word, but I would, I would use it now just because I can't think of a better one. Um, <laughs> That's all I could come up with. <laughs> right. But um, so mm, first and foremost, I know we've talked a little bit about this off the um, call or whatever, but it's not just women that are victims. So this can be in same sex relationships. It can be men that are being abused. So to any victim of domestic violence, I feel my responsibility is just to be an ear that will listen. You know, I'm, I want to know that what I went through 
won't happen to somebody else. And I know I can't stop that everywhere, but if I can just help one person find a way out of their situation, I feel like I've fulfilled my responsibility. I feel like just helping one person get out of an abusive relationship would make me feel like that what I went through was, was worth it. I mean, it's not worth it like mm. that. I don't even know how to put no. that into words, but well. I went through this for a reason and I survived because I did what I felt was best at that moment. And in any type of abusive relationship, whether it's physical, sexual, verbal, any, any of it, whatever you decide to do is going to be because you are trying to survive that. Mm -hmm. If I can just help someone see the light at the end of the tunnel or see that there are other people that have experienced it and have survived it. And that gives them just a little bit of hope. Then I feel like I've, I've helped in some way. Okay. I didn't mean to put pressure on you because I couldn't no, think fine. of another way to, <laughs> to ask that question, but because, you know, you wonder if you sit back and you just go through it and then you don't share your story. Right. I mean, you, you've kept that inside and no one knows. I mean, we, we all have stories to tell. I mean, we've all gone through things throughout this entire thing, throughout this entire ordeal, this two and a half year struggle. Mm -hmm. Did you ever question where God was at? Absolutely. Absolutely. Almost. I mean, every, um, every, every fight, every, every night I went to bed crying because I was in either pain, like physical pain or in fear. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely questioned where he was in those moments. Did you ever get an answer for yourself? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. I, with my past, and I'm not one to put religion on anybody, but with my past with the church and with God, my relationship with God, I know that he's there. And I know, I know that he's, I mean, I survived, right? So in my mind and how I was raised and my beliefs, you know, I, I survived because of him. But in my selfish human brain, I'm like, if, I mean, I wasn't living a bad life by any means before this, but why did he let me go through that? Why did he put me in that place to experience that? Like what I've almost felt like, what did I do wrong to deserve it? Mm -hmm. And I know that's not him. I know, I know that God's not like, haha, you messed up. So I'm going to make you suffer through this, but it's disheartening when you, you know, you're living life and, and it just falls apart like this. It's hard to, it's hard to see the, the plus side of things the positive and the chaos, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm hoping I see it. I'm hoping I, I find that, that peace and I don't know. Yeah. So you're in a relationship now, right? I am. Have you learned to trust again? Uh, yes. And I honestly, I have more trust in him than I do myself. <laughs> and that's something that I've, I'm working through with, you know, therapy and all that, because I, I don't trust myself. I don't trust my decisions or my, my own instincts, I hmm. guess. But luckily, uh, my, my boyfriend is just great support system. He is, he's basically my rock and I, I trust him that he's not going to let me make <laughs> any bad decisions. And he, I know he doesn't have an evil bone in his body. So I, I feel safe with him, okay, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Now, I know someone's thinking this question. If he raised his hand and slapped you across the face, 
Mm-hmm. How long would it take you to leave? Not a second. I would I would be gone. There would be no hesitation. And even even if it was I mean, there was a moment where you could think about relationships as like, oh, well, if this is going to happen, I'm going to do this. Well, unless you're in that moment, you're not going to know, right? Right. I know that even if a smack came out of him accidentally, I would be questioning myself, right? Because, okay, was it really an accident? Like, did you re- is that really an accident or are you just lying to me? You know, that's where my brain would go. Mm-hmm. You know, just being close to someone, you're going to bump into him and stuff like that. I really, I don't, as much as I care for him and, and trust him, if it was a, a legitimate smack across the face, there, there's nothing that would keep me to go through that again. There's no, I'm sorry. There's no, mm-hmm. oh, I'll get help. You know, I'm not going to fall for that again. Even if he's genuine about it, even if he is that, that good guy that means it, you know, like I, th- there's no more second chances, I guess, when it comes to, to abuse mm-hmm. now. So this has changed. Option's not there. Okay. Sorry about that. This has changed you. Absolutely. One thing, what would you tell a female or a male who's in a relationship right now? It is the start of the verbal or physical abuse. What would you say? I would say do what you got to do to get out now. It's only it's only going to get worse. If there is any leniency shown to an abuser, they will take it and run with it. There's a children's book. It's called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. I don't know if you've heard of it or not. Uh, no. I remember it from like my younger years, <laughs> but... Basically, if you give a mouse a cookie, then he's going to ask for a glass of milk. And if you give him the glass of milk, he's going to ask for a nap kind of a thing. Like, you just, <laughs> he's just going to keep asking and asking, right? right. So that's kind of how my abuser worked. And from what I hear, a lot of abusers do this is, you know, first it's uh, calling you a bad name or just being hateful against you or towards you. As a normal person, a normal person you want to kind of excuse that away because... If you were to do that to someone, you would be like, oh, my God, I don't know why I just said that. And you're genuine and you, you're like, oh, God, I'm a terrible person for saying that. They don't think like that. They don't think about your feelings. So if they're willing to do that and you don't call them out or you don't stop it and put that boundary in place, the next time it's going to be yelling and calling you a name or just being mean for no reason or even worse, you know, hitting and, and actual physical abuse. It just it's going to keep escalating. Think back as a child, mm-hmm. <laughs> and your first boyfriend. Did you ever think you would find yourself in that situation? Never, never. Mm-hmm. And that was not how you were raised, right? You said that. Ab- nope, absolutely not. The only thing that I can say that my childhood actually affected it is, you know, being raised to don't make a scene and just accept everybody for who they are, how they are, you know, try to leave a a better, leave, leave a person in a better situation than you found them. Right. Like if you can't bring good to their life, then don't bother them. It's kind of a attitude. That's not really how it was taught to me, but it's kind of what I took from it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. By doing that, I, I saw him as, you know, well, everybody's damaged in their own ways. He has all these great qualities that I saw that kind of meshed well with mine and, and, um, you know, I mean, it was definitely a roller coaster from the first night. I mean, the first time I met him, there was action and like, what in the world? People live like this. And, 
just seeing a different side of how the world can be is an eye opener. And I, I love people watching. I love learning how people live their lives and what they do and just kind of observing that. So to see it firsthand as a potential partner, I was like, wow, this is bizarre. But I mean, I get it. You know, there's people right. have their stories and right. I wasn't going to be the one to be like, well, your story is messed up and I don't want a part of it <laughs> because I've seen the stuff I've gone through and I overcame it. I'm not my past, you know, I am who I am because of my past, but that's not who I am. So my, 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 that's all I can say is my, my, my. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But you said it, you're a survivor. You've gone through a lot and you have learned a lot about yourself. You're still working on yourself, right? Yeah. Yep. Every day. And you got a lot to overcome. Your life yes. is your life is not done. I mean that that's the thing. You've got a whole lot of life to live yet. Yep. And sharing your story the way you have has been unbelievable. I mean to take the time to actually talk and put this out to me is unreal. I mean you could easily just hide this and bury it and never tell anybody about it. But boy, you have shared yep. it and you're going to share it with a lot of people. Yeah. And if ever there's a chance and you say, hey, can I call you back and. <laughs> And because I got more to tell you or more because I think I didn't reach as many people, I'd say, yes, you call anytime you want because you have a, a wonderful story to share with a lot of people who may be denying the fact that they're going through what you're going through. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. That's what I did for so long. I couldn't bring myself to admit it. I couldn't let myself just say, you know what, Hope, you messed up. It took me a long time to do that. So if I can help anyone realize that, or if someone listening can say, this sounds like me, like the people might be different or the situations might be different, but the feeling's the same. Or like, I feel like someone is gaslighting me and making me feel like this isn't what's really happening or whatever. If I can help someone recognize that sooner than I did, mm-hmm. or give someone that freedom to, you can, you can look at yourself and say, this is what's happening. I'm going to fix it now. Mm-hmm. And don't be silent. Of course, you have to stay safe. I say that so strongly. You have to stay safe. Stay safe. Top priority. But when you get to that safe spot, do not stay quiet. I feel like that's how, I know that's how my parents were raised. And even I was, you know, we don't talk about violence or we don't talk about this and this stuff. And we're, we're just allowing cycles to continue. So by hopefully speaking up and using my story as an example, I can help one other person stand up for their story and say, I went through it too, and we don't want to do it anymore. Like, we're not going to stay quiet. There you go. Well said. That was well said. Hope, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And if someone is out there and they're listening and you feel it, you just got to do it. You have got to run. You've got to get out. Um, but hope thank you very much for sharing your story and listeners i thank you for listening and remember the whole month of october is the national domestic violence awareness month and that's what we're doing we're just bringing this out to the open to make people aware that this is real hope i can't say thank you enough but i'll say it again thank you very much for being with us here on police pod talk you're very welcome and thank you all righty folks we'll catch you again next week on police pod talk thanks for tuning in Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.